0: Hello everyone and welcome to the LifeSphere podcast where we aim to shed light on the significance of innovation in life sciences, the people, the challenges and success stories. All while educating, inspiring and empowering professionals. And Today I'm very honored to have as my guest Christina Ayon, EMBA, BS, LL.S. Christina is a pharmaceutical professional with an extensive international experience, garnered developing strategy, leading and implementing large-scale pharmaceutical projects such as facilitating the successful merger of GSK Vaccines Japan and Daiichi Sankyo. She has over 25 years of international pharmaceutical experience, spanning three continents, for GSK Pharma, GSK Vaccines, and Abbott Laboratories, and the Quebec SMEs. She has held positions in commercial sales and marketing, supply chain, GMP manufacturing and compliance, business excellence, operational excellence Lean Six Sigma, and performance management and strategy setting. And her last role before becoming the Director General of the Center of Expertise in Applied Research in Biopharmaceutical Sciences was as the Global Development and Learning Director for GSK. She has proven expertise in the areas of cross-cultural learning and development to meet organizational needs and manage skills gaps via competency models, manufacturing process improvement, focused on quality, cost, and productivity, as well as sales, marketing, and logistics experience. Wow. She holds her BS from McGill University in Montreal, Canada, her Six Sigma Green Belt from the University of St. Louis in Missouri, USA, and an international executive MBA from the Louvain School of Management in Belgium. Christina, (laughs) I am so excited to talk to you today. What a background!
1: It sounds it sounds good when you read it out like that.
0: <laughs> wow! I have so many things that I just want to hear from you about. Um, maybe maybe we could start with just what is it that really makes the Sea rasp organization stand out, and then we can kind of walk through that great path that you sure. have.
1: So, um. It's a research center that's government funded. And what we do is applied research. So we don't do the fundamental or the discovery research that you would normally do in R&D in a big manufacturing company or you would do at a university level. We really take uh, the molecule. Once it's been discovered, our startups, small, medium sized businesses, university researchers come to us and say, I have this molecule. This is what I want to do with it. How do I formulate it? How do I turn it into a product? Uh, we are a Health Canada uh, partner, so we can do the regulatory affairs filing. We can ask all the questions. We so we the the advantage of this is we apply quality by design. So we look and say, okay, so show us your your discovery. Show us what you've done, um, and we we really work from there. We have prototyping equipment. We have industry-scale equipment so we can do um, prototypes, we can do samples, we can really see, you know, if it's anything from a tablet, you know, how well does it hold together, if it's, um, uh, you know, how does it fill into a syringe, does it bubble, does it, so we really do all of that testing out of the way with the aim of commercializing a product, with the aim of really um, bringing pharma up to the level it needs to be meeting the needs that are happening, because, pharma took a bit of a, a back burner with the sort of the rise of IT which now i find has been much more we're putting the two together we're putting ai with you know with the pharmaceutical discovery we're we're using it but there was a a good period of time where they were sort of on separate paths and pharma was losing steam because it's such a big investment and you know you can do ai with a couple of laptops you need you know, millions and millions, close to billions to, to get into pharma. So the the merging of that together is is quite interesting. And so we have a lot of clients who otherwise would have discoveries really sitting on the shelf. And that is sort of why the government put together um, our center was they saw that there was a lot of the research was just sitting on a shelf because people didn't know what the next steps were. How do I take it to this level? Um, if you're lucky, you'll get bought out by a large pharmaceutical maybe maybe not but a lot of researchers don't want to give up their discovery they don't want to give up their ip they they want to take it forward it's a passion project and you know and mm-hmm. and i get that and so you know leaving industry for this was it was a big leap because we are a nonprofit so it's not the security that i've had in pharma for many years that took me around the world but it was also sort of the idea that It's really nice to work with people who are so passionate about their project that they sort of eat, sleep and breathe it. And for me, it's it's a complete learning. I have a bachelor's in science. I'm not a researcher. So, you know, what people are working on, the innovations they are coming up with. You know, almost every client call that I have is kind of fascinating. And and for me, it's 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 that learning that I've always loved. And so I I get to live that every day. It's what I've always loved about pharma was it, it was mm-hmm. always so many learning opportunities. Pharma has changed so much since I started I've, I've always worked in pharma and from the start of my career it's it's evolved so much and it's it's always been sort of a such a, a learning. Um and that's really what was what's
0: unique about us.
1: And um and so it's it's very interesting.
0: I think you've touched on um so many things there just in your last uh uh comments and it's you pointed out it's very expensive to take a product to market and it's not just expensive it's risky yeah. um and it requires that quality mindset because the end consumer is a patient a person um and i think that's the fascinating part about the way research is conducted that's all they're focused on yeah but that doesn't get the product to the patient and the commercialization of it is the key factor of getting that great idea the end consumer who needs that. And I feel like that's just something that, um, you know, an organization like yours taking that on, it's, it's critical to, to patient outcome success.
1: I mean, it is, it's, you know, if I look at my career um, when I started, you know, quality was a small department in, in a pharmaceutical company. It was a few people two, three, three, four, and then slowly, you know, quality started having sort of these subdivisions, subgroups, sub departments. And then, you know, by the, the final stages of it, when I, before I left large industry, um, the quality group is almost as large as the manufacturing group and, and every step of it was really measured and, and rightfully so, because, you know, it is, we are talking about people, um, but it's one of those things that can be very stressful, and it, and it's one of those things that if you build a, a robust protocol, if you build, you know, quality into your design of your product, it saves you a lot of time in the end, um, and that's one of the things that we do. You know, the person for us who does regulatory affairs has 28 years of experience, so she will look at the formulation. She will look and she will say, why did you, you know, her thing is always just please keep it simple. It's what all the regulatory bodies want. They want it simple because if you keep it simple, you allow the people that are producing it to have a simple process to work. If you make it complicated, if you try to make it fancy, or, you know, is it really innovation, or is it you just trying to put a stamp on something? And so she she is very she's very <laughs> honest. and uh, and so yes. it's, you know, and it's really it's really an interesting discussion. And sometimes, you know, people want to be very, unique and they want to be and and it's the discussion we have is is it is it really innovation or is it just sort of putting your stamp on it? Um, mm-hmm. And regulatory affairs and health authorities don't really care about your stamp. They want innovation and they want something that is safe and they want something that if a patient starts taking your product, you will be able to easily continue manufacturing it because that patient will have to continue taking it so you can't leave a patient in the lurch. And I think that for me was the the biggest benefit of working in industry was, you know, pharma gets a lot of a negative reputation, but I can tell you that I've never gone to work with anyone who's not really put their heart and soul into it. And every time, every company, GSK, Abbott, every company I've worked with, they are so patient centric. And, And for me, that was something that was sort of ingrained in me. And so when she give sometimes this hard feedback and the clients aren't happy. I I have to be honest with them and, and explain to them that this is what will happen in the audit. These are the questions they will ask you. And, you know, if you have a, a process that's complicated and that is, you know, possibly setting up yourself up for failure, you will have employees that are demotivated. And if your employees are demotivated or they don't want to be there anymore, then you have nothing, you know, in, yeah. it was, um, You know, when you work in in learning and development and the operational excellence, you're working in manufacturing. And the truth is, is, you know, in the pandemic showed us as well, your frontline workers are your most important people, because without them, we can just all close the doors and go home.
0: Mm -hmm. And you
1: have to make the job enjoyable for them. You Mm -hmm. have to make it um, meaningful. You have to think about them when you're designing it. What is the simplest process? How will I lay out my my manufacturing process it's one of the things that we do we when companies are setting up a new building we'll go in and we'll say you know what's the best path what's the shortest route what will we'll create the least amount of of movement and transport and you know how do we get this as efficiently and as smoothly as possible it's like and a it's mini building. ups
0: you're yeah. building inside <laughs> yeah that's it. and you, you touch mean. on training which i love that you you pointed that out because it is so very important to to have the right skills and training is a key factor in everything first time right quality quality by design that whole conversation you um talked about you know your previous work that you know kind of led up to this and and i'd really love to hear um you know your career path it's just so very interesting Um, Can you just talk a little bit about, you know, how did you kind of get here? What were your stops? I mean, you had so many great ones. Sure.
1: So to be honest with you, I didn't want to go to university. I wanted (laughs) to put a backpack on and travel the world. And it was a a very big argument with my father that was basically either you go to university or you find somewhere else to live. (laughs) my, My father was quite easygoing but there were some non-negotiables and women getting an education was a non-negotiable. You will have, awesome. you know, he told me you will have a university degree, deliver pizzas afterwards. I couldn't care less, but you will have that university degree. Awesome. So once I did that, um, my, my bachelor's is in dietetics and human nutrition. So I don't have my, my accreditation anymore, but I, that's what I started in. And I realized a few things. I realized I did not like working in a hospital. I appreciate everyone who works in the hospital, but it just wasn't for me. Um, I liked, I also ran a, a bit of a, like a, a day clinic. So when I graduated, I, like a lot of students, I sort of had I, two, three jobs. I was on call at a hospital. I was on call in a medical clinic. Um, and I was on call um, for a sort of a um, a health group that goes to remote areas and does like um blood testing, testing for diabetes, and I would do nutrition counseling and I liked the counseling part and I liked the clinic part um but I realized hospital wasn't for me, and so I got an op- in the meantime I had applied everywhere as a lot of young graduates do and um I had applied for a hospital in Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates, so my sister was living there and I'd wanted to go and I applied and and I never heard back. So I I just kind of put it out of my mind and then suddenly they came back with an offer and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go. And, um, it was a hospital and I, but it was a small hospital. We're talking maybe 20 beds. So it was a large outpatient clinic as well. And that was what I realized I really enjoyed. As you can see, I enjoy talking. So I enjoyed talking to people. Um, And I was like, okay, this is really interesting. And and I like sharing and I like learning from people and I like sharing what I know. And so I was talking to one patient who was, um, actually the, the sales director for a company called Friesland, which is quite big in the Netherlands and, and in Europe and the Middle East. And he said, you know, it'd be, we'd be happy to sponsor if you'd write like a question and answer for the newspaper. So I did that for a year while I was working. Mm-hmm. And I realized that that was really the part that I loved most was was getting questions, understanding. I, I, there was still this sort of learning bug. And so while I was there, um, I happened to meet a sales rep for Abbott Labs. And we were talking and she was like, you know, it's you have a really interesting um, background that you've done, you know, a degree in nutrition. And and she said, would you be interested in joining Abbott Labs? And. I was like, at first I was like, no, and then I was like, you know what it would be. And then she said, could you come and give a presentation? So I went and I did. And then they offered me um, a position as a sales rep, because at the time, I don't know if it still is, but the policy was you start as a sales rep. You do that for at least six months, understand Mm -hmm. the business, and then you can move into something else. So I did that. I really enjoyed it. And um, and the nutrition division there was just growing. It had just sort of gotten off the ground. So they do Similac and ensure all the the medical Mm -hmm. nutritionals. Mm -hmm. And um, and so from there, I went to being a, a marketing associate, which was really interesting and also doing contracts and bids for hospitals so the the uae being a small country worked a bit differently and so that was really interesting and so because of that i worked very closely with the logistics team because when you're doing contracts and and tenders and things like this you work with the logistics team and i got to understand logistics and i worked very closely with them because nutritionals happen to be short shelf life products yeah. so you're talking 18 months and you're shipping to a very hot climate i'm talking about you know the Emirates in the late 1990s, the early 2000s. Um, And so it was the thing that, you know, you had to get shipments coming in. You had minimum order quantities. Um, It was a small country. And so slowly, like my territory grew to the Gulf states so I could I could, you know, move out different shipments. And then at one point they said to me, well, um, North Africa is joining. The Gulf and Middle East region we need somebody who does who could do logistics and speaks French and coming from Montreal I'm bilingual
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they said would you be interested and as a lot of decisions in my life I was like why not
0: and I was I like let cannot. me try I wish I was in your backpack
1: <laughs> so I was like you know let me give it a try and I did and I really enjoyed it one of the things I enjoyed the most was traveling so North Africa is actually really very beautiful Yeah. Um, And very interesting. And um, and so at that time, Abbott was was um, putting in place uh, the Oliver White program. So it's sort of like an ISO. And Mm -hmm. that was sort of the organizational excellence and being in logistics process and procedures is very important. Um, And so I really it really spoke to me um, doing things efficiently because I I. I like to get straight to the point. And so and it was also the beginning, if I can put it this way, of automation. At that point, we had been doing everything on Excel, which was tedious and a bit difficult. And remembering that I worked in a country where we all worked in English, but English wasn't necessarily everyone's first language. So having things that are clear and precise was really important. And it really spoke to me. Um, And then after a while, I got a bit homesick. So I moved back to Montreal. And I stayed with Abbott Labs, um, still continuing in this sort of, so a, a new department came from this called demand management, which, okay. and so I joined that. So, you know, it's one of those things where I had no, you know, if you'd asked me, would you ever work in demand management when I graduated university? I would have said, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I joined that and um and it was really interesting. And of course, you're working very closely with sales. And so at some point they said, you know, you have quite interesting business acumen. You know, would you like to go back into marketing? So I did yeah. that for a while and it was very interesting. And I did for mature and generics. And then mm-hmm. that division was sold to. Salve, which I believe sold it to Milan and they told me well now you're gonna have to move to Mississauga and nothing against Mississauga but I just didn't want to move to Mississauga and at the same time my husband got a promotion and they told him well you have to move to Mississauga for this promotion and we were like okay so is this is this (laughs) what we're doing is you know are we moving to Mississauga and then um Lo and behold, they said, well, if you don't, they told him, if you don't move to Mississauga, you can always move to Belgium because Mm. it's the same. And so we said, well, that would be interesting. And um, and so we packed it up. So I wasn't able to stay with Abbott because um, it was the Benelux. And for marketing and such, you needed to either speak, you know, um, Dutch or Luxembourgish or some of this so that's fine um and in the meantime when i was with abbott montreal i did my lean six sigma green belt mm. which i have to thank my boss at that time because he really pushed me to do it and i was like "Oh, i don't need to do it i understand he's like just do it christina sit down <laughs> do the work and that's what got me into um gsk vaccines so i i went and i started in operational excellence um as a manager. And it was the global team, so I, I was able to do projects in all countries. So, as you mentioned, the the, the project in Japan, um, I did a lot of work in Germany and Singapore, and it was it was really exciting, and um, and a lot of learning. And um, from there, I went on to do projects that were for the office of the president. So they were they were business excellence or operational excellence but they were sort of, um, strategic priorities that were set. Oh, wow. And in a lot of that, what we saw was we were having issues in quality and the quality was not the process. It was the training. And so it was, it was an interesting thing because a lot of the people, um, so GSK Belgium is sort of the, one of the, the world centers for vaccine production. And I met people who had worked there 37 years, you know, there was one person I remember 42 years and he was retiring and I wasn't even 42 at the time. And I was like, I can't imagine working somewhere 42 years, but they loved it. (laughs) You know, they felt that, that passion, that, that, you know, I'm doing something good. And, um, And the problem with that is, you know, as your processes become more robust, as the authorities ask you to um, be more precise, be more, um, even if it's just things like documentation, document more, write out more, you know, smooth out your processes, make them clear. These are all things that people have to learn and, and everyone's a creature of habit. So if I've always, you know, done it this way and now all of a sudden after 20 years you're telling me I have to do it this way, it takes a lot of learning. And it takes an innovative way to change those habits, to sort of break those habits. And you sort of have to it's not enough to just have a, a slideshow and say, mm-hmm. OK, well, this is how we're doing it now. Um, you see there is uh, this here. And so now we're going to do it this way. So, um, no, you have to really, you know, go into, you know, how adults learn really that sort of what they call that—the the 70, 20, 10. I learn on the job. I learn from others. I learn. You know the 10% in the 70, 20, 10. Only the 10% is I learned theory from watching slides. The rest is really how are we going to do it? It's teaming people up. It's making them responsible for their work. Let them write out the protocol now. Let them own it. And and it's a, it's a big step. It's a big cultural change. And that yeah. I think is a big cultural change that pharma's seen. But I think it's been very beneficial that you make people more and more the owners. It's not quality that is the owner of the, pro- the person is the owner of the process. Of course, quality signs off, of course, all of those things yeah. are in place, but you, you give people that ownership, you make them feel like, yes, you know, they've, they've added something. And, um, and that was, for me, that was really interesting. And and it was a huge learning. And what I, what I realized at that was that I did a lot of horizontal moves mm-hmm. and, I can only speak for myself, but I've found that people who do who are very focused on only the vertical moves end up hitting a ceiling quite quickly because there is so much to know. You know, and, and I did have a lot of bosses where I wanted to take on a, a bigger a bigger role. I wanted to do this project. And they would tell me, you don't have enough knowledge. You don't have enough experience. I mean, I did the executive MBA for that reason. It was I wanted to take on the role of, of, you know, setting up a training center for the vaccines. They told me, well, you have a lot of the experience, but you don't have any financial background. That's true. And you don't have any HR background. That's true. Mm -hmm. And they said, you Mm -hmm. need to really we need somebody who who has more of this experience. And I was not going to, you know, learn finance, um, you know, go back (laughs) and do a do a, you know, a a, a BCOM or anything. And I I wasn't going to, you know, start doing my my human resources accreditation and i said okay and so then i went and i spoke to other people in the company you know wanting to know how did you get into this role how did you get into this position and they said well you should really look into that because it would really round out your learning and and i did and it was it was a, you know it was a, a lot of stress i give a lot of props to my husband for you know managing the kids i had my children were small at the time they were it took 2 years and they were 4 and 6 and 6 and wow. 8 by the time mm-hmm. I was done and I was, you know, working full time, I was the learning business manager, uh, learning business partner for the manufacturing. So, you know, four thousand five hundred people. So the you know, the emails never stopped. So I honestly I was up studying at at midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, midnight to two was my was my study time. Um, but it, it was really interesting. So and and, you know, I think you also have to know yourself. And I know that when I when I'm into something, I will do it. I will do it's it. It's not fully. work. Yeah. Right. That's it's not it. work. It's yeah. And so even my husband at some, you know, there's been some times in my career and my husband's like, you don't like this job. And I'm like, no, I love it. And he's like, no, you don't like it. And he's like, why? He's like, because you're just not, you know, you're just not into it. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, you know, that was a, a big learning. And then you know as as the kids were getting bigger and and it was also after the the bombings happened in Belgium we said you know maybe it's time to come back to Montreal so Montreal is is always home you know mm-hmm. um that's nice and so i was lucky that i was able to take a position as a global director for GSK pharma so leaving vaccines but GSK pharma um where you know, wherever I was stationed was fine with them as long as I was close to an airport. So I was managing teams in, in 21 countries. Um, and that was that, really.
0: Oops, go ahead. Because they set it, you up for the for the pandemic and the yeah. whole, you know, so, having to be yeah. virtual.
1: <laughs> so that's what I was. I was I was remote working before everyone was remote working. <laughs> right. <laughs> and. um, And it so it was great. really interesting and then um, at one point they basically said look and the i was working for GSK pharma and pharma is is shrinking so you know the the biologics if you want to look at it that way the advanced therapies that's growing um in terms of industry natural products is is becoming huge but pharma itself is getting smaller so they said look it's getting smaller um you know would you consider a position you know in in london or in singapore And I thought about it for a quick minute, but to be honest with you, I was, you know, my kids were, they were enjoying Montreal and it was nice for me, you know, to have them growing up where I, where I grew up. Um, And I was like, no, I was like, I I think I'm going to have to leave and look for something new. And um, my neighbor across the street happens to be an HR person. And she had sent me this email saying, do you know somebody who could do this job of setting up an applied research center? Um, That also feeds back into the education sector about what the needs are in the industry. And I looked at I said, yes, I can do this. (laughs) Where do I apply? (laughs) Send me the link. And um, and so it it was a big jump because, you know, you leave pharma and and pharma, you're you're well paid. You're you're very well paid. You you know, you can't complain. Going to a not for profit, going to a, a complete startup that's basically just a strategic plan on paper and risky. it was like looking <laughs> yeah risky and looking at this going okay so basically everything i've learned up to this point i'm going to have to put into to this and to get something you know four walls and a roof and um and so it was it was step by step um and there was really no blueprint to be honest with you so mm. It, you know was the first thing I said. I said, Well, where's the roadmap? And they're like, Well, you have to build it. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, right? okay. I see. All right. Um, yes, I'm going to get on this, you know, and then slowly, you know, literally finding a physical location, uh, getting a team in place, getting your org chart, getting your equipment, getting, you know, everything together. Yeah. Um, and you know, the the whole marketing point of it too, to say, you know, hey, we're here. We're here to help you. This is what, what you, you know, this is, you know, how you can commercialize. um And so it's, you know, it, it's been, uh, yeah, it's, it's been interesting. um And now that my kids are older, 12 and 14, they're starting to talk to me a little bit about, you know, what do you think I should do as a career? And, and I'm <laughs> like, you know, if somebody had told me at some point you would do, you know, learning and development, I didn't even know what that was. Learning and right. development, learning business partner, what, What is that? You know, I wouldn't have known. And I was like, you know, it's a mix of what you really like. And it's a mix of, you know, being open and willing to learn and change. You know, I had parents who worked in the same companies for going to say close to 25 years. Yeah. And even for myself, having worked, you know, in in large companies for a good, you know, seven, eight years, I don't think that happens anymore. I think you have to be flexible and you have to be willing to go into that uncomfortable space. And sometimes realizing that, you know what, you will be overlooked for that promotion, or you have to just be honest and say, you know what, I, I know I could do it, but maybe I don't have the skills and I'm going to have to put some time and effort into, you know, continuing to develop myself. Um, Yeah. So I, I think it's really interesting and, you know, cause it's, it's, because you know sometimes they ask me should I go into pharma and I said you know if I was starting in pharma now with a BSC I wouldn't even get an interview I said it's the it, it's it's evolved you know and that going back to the learning part you know I was lucky to be able to learn on the job you know whether it was logistics whether it was sales and marketing whether it was operational excellence and even for myself now when I hire members I I really I do want them to be on the ground and running. We have an onboarding plan, but I want them to be able to do the job quickly because everything moves so much faster. It does, doesn't it? It really does. And yeah. it, and it's one of those things. And, you know, you have to be you know, we you know, we have technicians that are, are younger and and we're looking and we're saying, OK, we need to send them on this course and send them on that course. And and the people on my team are fully capable of training them, but you want them trained perfectly and by perfectly i mean you want them to know all the ins and outs not just you know what's important to me but really all the technical ins and outs and my team is busy as well so yes they will coach them and mentor them but they can't spend you know a week teaching them on this piece of equipment cuz also we're using that piece of equipment for mm-hmm. for projects and it's it's one of those things you know and and they're they're questioning. And and I told them I said, I don't know. I said, but you just have to be flexible. And in a way, don't I mean, everyone has bills, but don't think about the salary because the salary will come and, you know, you're going to have highs and lows in your career and you just have
0: to to figure out what works for you. Mm hmm. I I want to tell you that I was drawing a little map of like where you went and what you did, <laughs> and I feel like I, I I have this great visualization of what would look so great for to to kind of tell the story of what everything that you just told us. It's just fascinating. Um, I think you're spot on. You know, today's workforce is shifting again, which happens, and um, you know, they're struggling now to find folks that want to work in the technical yeah. positions. And we have to be smarter about training this newer workforce in a way that, to your point, resonates with with them. It creates that value where you yeah. feel, you know, I do have value at my work. I am contributing to the end product, um, and it's important. Um, and and I, I just think you really hit um, so many great points there. Your um, the the path that you took and the 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 different. Uh, locations that you got the opportunity to work, I have to think really gave you, and the thread that I heard a lot was learning and continuous learning, Um, probably gives you an unbelievably broad perspective about not just the patient, the types of patients, where those patients might be. Um, We sometimes look at the the higher end markets when we talk about patients and and that's not really where the greatest need is all the time particularly in the vaccine space. Yeah. Um well, I want to ask you after all of that, um maybe there's something that you might think you if you weren't doing all this and traveling and doing all the great things that you're doing, what would you do otherwise? You know,
1: I love to cook, so I'll I'll be that's honest so with you. I was not a great dietitian in hospital because um, you know, you have to take a patient's sort of their dietary history. And so when they would be explaining to me, especially I, I worked in the cardiac ward and they're explaining to me and I was like, and they and I'm like, okay, so you know how because you have to ask, how do you prepare this dish? What are the ingredients so that you get a, a sort of an idea and and I would be sitting down writing this, basically writing down a recipe going, This sounds really good, you know? <laughs> And I'm like, well, yes, you could lighten it by doing this. I'm like, well, it tastes the same. Not really, but we won't see each other again. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and that's one of the the things my my husband teaches me, because, teases me, because I'm, you know, I'm Greek on my mother's side and Lebanese on my father's side, both of which are, mm-hmm. you know, known for running restaurants. And he's like, you just can't get away with it. And he's like, at some point, he's like, when you, when you tell me you're going to retire, you're going to turn around and say, I'm going to open a restaurant now and it's it's you know it's what i I love to do i I love to cook and i I you know love to cook for my for my family and for my friends and um that's I awesome. think that that's what i do Have otherwise <laughs> yeah, otherwise you know um as a beach destination when we lived in Belgium, Corsica was our favorite place, so wow. you know Definitely. at some i we were there this, the second time we went back and we went with my sister and, and my, my, hus- my uh, brother-in-law and my niece um, just because we loved it so much. And we, they'd come to visit us in Belgium and we wanted to take them there. And I remember walking on the beach going, can I make a living out of selling like <laughs> sand or stones to the rest of the lake? <laughs> what can I do to stay here? That'd be <laughs> so awesome, Because it was awesome, so beautiful. And, oh, uh, my and- gosh. Sandwiches on the beach. (laughs) Sandwiches on the beach, you know. Um, But yeah, it's uh, so. Yeah. So it's it's funny because, you know, there have been times where like I've been approached by other companies, by um, real estate companies to help with relocations. So that was an interesting one. I got contacted by someone. Actually, it was after we bought our house. And the person contact the person sort of higher up contacted me saying, you know, we have relocations and, you know, we need somebody who understands, you know, what it's like to relocate. And and it was interesting because they were offering quite a nice salary. And then, you know, my husband told me, you know, are you going to do that? And I'm like, well, it's a nice salary, you know, and kids are expensive. Mm -hmm. And and he said, okay And I said, you know, why? And he's like, I think you'll get bored in about three months and you'll regret, you know, Mm -hmm. leaving. And I'm like, yeah you're probably right you know mm-hmm. and so there there's you know there's been a lot of of interesting things and i think we you know we are living sort of in a in a side gig era which i've never done but i could easily see you know when i'm retiring you know things that that i would do but i i think pharma for me has always just been that you know contributing to health um I grew up with my grandmother who, you know, by the time it was, you know, sort of her end of life, she was quite ill and she, you know, used a lot of pharmaceuticals and things like this. And and there, you know, there's a lot of care that goes in from doctors and nurses towards people and, you know, being attentive. And, you know, the the reason I went into dietetics was diet plays a a huge part in that as well. Um, Yeah you know and and it is interesting now stem cell therapy i think is something that's really interesting seeing people that you know having lung cancer when i was you know doing my internships it was just a death sentence it was basically you knew the next step with, was palliative care and now yeah. people are recovering and living you know another 10 20 years and and that's Amazing. just incredible
0: yeah it really is incredible Well, Christina, I mean, the industry does incredible stuff to your point in the beginning. Sometimes it gets a bad rap, but for the most part, it's people like you that really move the industry forward. And I just want to say what a great opportunity for me today to hear everything that you did. Um, And thank you so much for taking the time uh, to chat with us today. I want to just say I think we need to circle back, find out where the restaurant's going (laughs) to (laughs) be.
1: Well, yeah, I'm not there yet. You know, it's uh, the reason that I had that I had offered to do the chat is we try to get uh, young students into our lab to come Um, high school, you know, even elementary school level. Just see what it's like, Um, because I think that that's a a large part of like you were saying, you know, will you like it? And mm-hmm. so it's it's one of those things that we're we're trying to do that to get, you know, young people in. um And even, you know, like my kids have come to the lab to see what it looks like, because it's sometimes, you know, just seeing it, just seeing, you know, if you if you're if you're a kinesthetic learner, if you like to work with your hands, it's honestly it's a great job. yeah And it's it's really interesting. And it's um you learn so much. You learn about team building. You learn about, you know, how to move a, a product forward. You learn about logistics, organization, and it's um, it's one of those things. And and yeah, we have to do a better job of, you know, pulling education towards rather than sitting and reading books, mm-hmm. sitting and reading the protocol. Show people what it looks like. It, it speaks so much more
0: to them. Unbelievably true. Unbelievably true. Well, Christina. I want to thank you again for taking the time to join us here today on the LifeSphere podcast. It has been my pleasure to be here with you today, and I'm really looking forward to seeing where it takes you in your next journey. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode of LifeSphere, where we talk with leaders in the life science industry about what inspires them and how we all can work together because the patient is waiting. Please find us on Spotify, Pandora, and iHeartRadio. Like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And we look forward to joining you on the next episode.